0: Why do Java programmers wear glasses? So they can find the classes. Because they don't see sharp. Uh, Ah, nice. And with that, you're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 18. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast
1: app. And go to the site at codingblocks.net where you can find stuff like show notes, examples, and great comments. Send your
2: feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And follow us on Twitter at CodingBlocks, Or head to www.codingblocks.net and you can find our social links at the top of the page. And with that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm Alan
1: Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. And today uh, we've got some news for you. So first off, we went to a, a, all three of us actually made it out to a meetup, which never happens. But never. we actually not at the same time. Yeah, right. So we went to this. How do you know uh, we're not the same person? That's right. We've yeah. never
0: been seen before at the same and we're in any one place at the same time.
1: So uh, I'm Superman. Which one of you guys is Clark Kent? Well, I guess that had to be me. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, it was a it was a meetup on ASP Next and it was a great topic, and the speaker was actually really phenomenal. And uh, his Twitter name is JeffA00, so you should go follow him. We'll have a link in the show notes, but uh, we'll also have a, a link to the actual meetup. But I was really amazed at all the things that are coming down the pipe. Not just with ASP, P, or ASP but just kind of the, the overall kind of vision is really interesting. It almost seems like Microsoft is moving towards a more um, pluggable kind of... Platform agnostic kind of open web thing. I thought that looked really interesting, and it was a great presentation.
0: Uh, I mean, how how awesome is it going to be able to write your C Sharp app and run it on Linux? Ah, I would love that. That's, I mean, that's, that's going to be fantastic.
1: Yeah, wow. we talked about the hosting being cheaper for Linux and that being kind of a barrier in our last episode.
2: Yeah. Actually, that's this episode, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. But, yeah, I mean... It seems like they're trying to draw more people into user their development tools and get them hooked into the Microsoft world as far as productivity, but then open it up so that you can deploy it anywhere, right? So that that was. Uh, I'm totally stoked about this. I can't wait. It sounds, this cool. sounds awesome. I love the fact that it. Say what you will about a lot of things out there, but I love the fact that things like Node.js and and these technologies that exist are pushing companies to start thinking a little bit differently about their products, right?
1: Yeah, and how about uh, Visual Studio possibly bundling Node.js up uh, inside it? That's that's pretty interesting. I know nice. Web Essentials um, does that sort of thing for for running some of those, um, uh, you know, f- less files and whatnot. But the Web thing is actually shipping, what's is, that? <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: uh, you know, along those lines, uh, I think we'll probably just dedicate a show to this stuff, right? Like, I mean, it was there was a ton of information about ASPV next. Yeah, I definitely would like to take a deeper dive into that. Yep. So, uh, on another note, so I'm feeling mean. It, it, this is the topic I put in there. Last night I decided somebody, to- somebody treat you bad somebody make you sad <laughs> <sigh>, like <laughs> uh, maybe um, so last night I decided to sit down after the last uh, show where we were talking about different technology stacks and going against all the sound advice that you guys gave me to use stuff that I'm familiar with I decided to try and set up a mean stack which if you haven't heard of it it's mongodb uh, expressjs angular.js and node.js so it's basically a I don't bu- know,
0: Joe. That sounds like a whole lot of JavaScript. <laughs> it's a lot of JS. Oh, it, It's a
2: it's a ton of <laughs> JavaScript. And here's what here's what was and this this is where things get frustrating. Just about always when you're dealing with Linux, right? So I've got a I've got a Linux VM running on my Mac box. So I'm running Ubuntu uh, 1404. And you I'm go, so glad you specified that. I was going to ask if you get, if you go to mean.io <laughs> on the website. It's, it's got this nice little thing. It's like, hey, all you got to do is this, right? And you will be up and running. Oh, yeah. Go do anything on Linux and see if it's as simple as they try and tell yeah. you. Right? Like, I was frustrated. So now
0: we're going to hate on Linux? Hold no, on.
2: Now. No, no, but here's the thing, right? Like... As I mentioned, like cost is always a factor. So I was like, "Hey, I like JavaScript. I'm going to go ahead and do Dude, this." How, how
0: difficult could mean be, man? It's got a little cute little girl ninja on it. Come well, on, I know.
1: sudo apt get install, and she's
2: got a. Little <laughs> that's up. what you would think, right? Yeah. Like, so, so first off, like, well, actually,
0: according to their, you know, little instruction here, it's npm. But sure, it is no, no. That's no package manager, so that's a little bit
2: different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking so. So first, you have to install. I'm not going to go through all the garbage that happened, but basically, it's like, yeah, you just do this, this, and this. Okay, so there were like four steps. About twenty steps later, I finally had the thing running. And I mean there's garbage like for instance on Ubuntu, for whatever reason, they decided that node.js wasn't going to be node space in a command. That conflicts with some other package that you may or may not have installed. So in order for it to run node.js, you actually have to type node.js. So
0: all the grunt files and everything else that reference node don't work. See, listen, Dude. this is this oh. is your problem. This is this is where your problem is. Because, you know, the oatmeal.com had this great uh, little tutorial on how to fix any computer, right? And, and for since you were having so much problems with Linux, I'll get, I'll get to that one in a moment. But just, you know, to be thorough, we'll start with all of them, right? So if it's a Windows box, step one, you reboot it. Did that fix it? No. Proceed to step two. Step two, format the hard drive, reinstall Windows, lose all your files, quietly weep simple that's how you fix every windows box it's pretty accurate on a mac you know step one take it to an apple store did that fix it no proceed to step two buy a new mac step two buy a new mac (laughs) overdraw your account quietly weep hey just so so we're clear here
2: i'm not reading this that was a good guess
0: now just now since you were having so many problems on linux okay uh this one's for you okay step one Learn to code in C++, recompile the kernel, build your own micro microprocessor out of spare silicone, which you have laying around, as you do. Recompile the kernel again, switch distros, recompile the kernel again, but this time using a CPU powered by refactored light from Saturn. Grow a giant beard, blame Sun Microsystems, turn your bedroom into a server closet, and spend 10 years falling asleep to the sound of whirling fans. Switch distros again, okay, because you said you were only on Ubuntu, <laughs> <laughs> abandon all hygiene write a regular expression that would make other programmers programmers cry blood learn to code in java recompile the kernel again but this time while wearing your lucky socks okay that's how you fix your problem man did that close. fix it did that fix it no proceed to step 2 revert back to using windows or a mac quietly weep yes uh, that's fairly accurate
2: so what mean led me to believe was going to be a 5 minute process it ended up taking me about an hour and a half in fairness that's one of the reasons why i love visual studio because i feel like i can be up and running in no time using their tool set, right so so i put it upon myself to take to to hurt myself to put myself through pain but at the end of the night i did have an up and running mean application that had a login and all kinds of stuff so it's pretty interesting i'm going to continue down that path and we will update this at a later time okay so, so it was interesting. So going along you, with
0: the you previous dish by then, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, you
1: know, it was actually. Uh, I decided the other night I was going to run through an Angular tutorial, and the first one I find is like it starts off like download this project now, do these twenty steps, and here's a video. I was like, oh man, I, I was kind of hoping I could just you know read step one, two, three, and then do my own thing. But I have been looking at Ember a little bit though, and what I like about it, I don't know if it's this is true or not, but from just looking at a couple examples, it's kind of like uh, they've got these things set up on the main website where it's like. How do you do this? You do it like that. And I like that I didn't have to install. I didn't have to set up my directory structure in a particular way. And so it looked like the kind of thing that you could, you know, sprinkle in a little bit easier than Angular. Now, I'm probably wrong about that. But it looks that way. At least it it seems like there may be marketing that way a little bit. So I thought that was interesting.
2: You are wrong about sprinkling it in. But (sighs) from what I understand, though, what you are right about is Ember kind of forces you down a path where Angular lets you kind of hang yourself. Depending on how you go about doing things, so Ember's a little bit more uh, opinionated in how you have to do things. So it's it can be good, but dude, (laughs) now that I've gotten pretty deep into Angular, it's not for the faint
0: of heart. I mean, like, seriously, it it doesn't just like give you the rope to hang yourself. It's like here's the noose. We've already prepared Mm it. You just got to insert your head here in this hole. Right through it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll take care of the rest. Don't worry. At least
2: you know that you're not stumbling around trying to find that noose at that point, right? So. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I do plan on on going down this path a little bit further just to kind of see what this is all about. Uh, because you know document databases scare the crap out of me for some reason. They just don't make sense. They seem so foreign. But uh, I, I think I want to play with it more for that than anything else. Uh, the next thing, Vlad also replied to us on episode 17, the one that we were just talking about. And he made a couple of good points. So we were talking about server costs and all that. And he brought up Azure and he is, if you don't remember Vlad, he was on an episode about Aspectacular and had a great time talking to him. But, but he's basically just tinkering around with Azure on his own projects. And he said he's approaching a car payment a month, just messing around with Azure services. And that is kind of one of the frustrating things about dealing with cloud services nowadays is, Unless you have something making money, it's kind of hard to just learn it, right? Unless you're working in a business with your with your hands on this kind of stuff, or whether or not you have something that's making money on a side project, I mean, you got to invest some money in it.
1: Well, I like the way of saying that. Like, that's something I could sell to the wife. You know, like, hey, the, I can't go out tonight to dinner because I'm going to work on a side project because I want a free car. Don't you want a free car? Who doesn't want a free car? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we were talking car one. payment. Car though. payment, yes,
0: yes. yeah. You're like you, like up the ante a little bit there.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm working on getting into management.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you, this, you, this is how you do. You're doing well. Um, yeah, and and uh, just to clarify, uh, if you wanted to go back and listen, we had a vlog on episode nine when we were talking about aspect-oriented programming, and uh, he had a framework
1: specifically for it. Which may have been named by Outlaw, maybe, maybe not, I don't know.
2: We believe it was. There might be some dispute here, but... There was some drama at the local
1: meetup, (laughs) I'm just saying.
2: (laughs) Um, But on top of that, another thing that he mentioned, so Joe said that if he was going to program something, he would do a service, and basically his point was he doesn't want to deal with UIs. Well, Vlad brought up a valid point that is one of the reasons why I have abandoned so many projects I've decided to start is because... One of the frustrating things for me is, hey, what platform do I want to program for? Do I want this thing to install on Windows? I have a Mac. I kind of like it to run on a Mac, right? And, and then you're like, well, what about Linux then? And so then you start looking around. There's not much out there that you're going to do cross-platform development on. You're not going to code once and run everywhere. It, and in the just,
1: meantime, six months have passed since you started that conversation. Exactly. <laughs> right. And that's
2: the whole thing. So um, he brought that up like he was really hoping Silverlight was going to be the answer. And it died a pretty fast death, actually. So... Yeah,
0: I did like his uh, z- JavaScript zombie comment. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I that, that. just that. Just that he referenced it as a zombie, I thought it was uh, pretty humorous. Uh, I mean,
2: it, and he also brought up the fact that, you know, a new JavaScript library comes out every year. I think he might be a little bit off on that. It feels like every week. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it, th- it was a great reply. So you should head over there, join in on the conversation because there's a lot of viewpoints there. And that's uh,
0: www.codingblocks.net slash episode 17. Yeah, and so with that, you know, uh, we got some, some more reviews in. So I'm not sure about the name on this one, though. I kind of wonder if this isn't just a made-up name because it still feels a little funny if his parents named him this. <laughs> but uh, his name is... Or her. Or her. You're, you're right. New Belkin user. <laughs> Writes in and says, super informative and great content. Uh, would certainly recommend to any .NET developer. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, we got another one on Stitcher uh, from, I'm I'm just going to pronounce this as cash. This says, this is a solid podcast. And I can only assume that he's referring to the solid principles. Um, and he says, after powering through their entire backlog, I would recommend this podcast to any developer who's passionate about software development. One of the best detailed technical podcasts out there. So again, thank you guys for taking the time to write the reviews. We really appreciate it. It really does, uh, go a long way to help other people find us as well. And, uh, Helps us to show up higher in rankings and everything, and we we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and while you're doing those reviews, don't forget to send us. like I,
2: We've actually gotten a, quite a few emails about, hey, these are some good topics we'd like to hear about. And if you're thinking about it, then there's probably a lot of other people as well. So definitely drop us an email at comments at CodyBlocks or come up to the site and leave it on the contact form. Definitely just get in touch with us and let us know what you want to hear about.
1: Mm-hmm. And also um wanted to mention uh, there's uh, in the states here there's actually a lot of whining about kind of holiday creep. So the Christmas stuff starts happening around October, the Thanksgiving stuff starts happening in, you know, whatever. July? <laughs> yeah, July. And i uh, oh, forget about Valentine's, it starts in December too. So um, one season that I'm not I'm not disappointed that it's starting early is actually gaming season. So typically around the wintery, Christmassy kind of Hanukkah months there is a, a just a glut of awesome games that come out trying to get your hard-earned, hard-earned dollars. And it's looking like it started early. We had Shadows of Mortar just come out, which I've heard is fantastic. And uh, I, I can't really go into it too much. I've actually I've got it. <laughs> I've installed it. I oh, really? It. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to hear about it. I know. It. I'm lame. I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you the full review. Also, Defense Grid 2 came out, which if you played the first, it's like a tower defense game. But I've been having a lot of fun online with that. Uh, really fun. Also, new civilization space themed. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, sci-fi and civilization together. Hallelujah.
2: But it, you know, here's my problem. So every one of them that you just mentioned are pretty much PC. Dude, where are the PS4 games? I am so irritated yeah, I, that I, I bought this thing one year Destiny. ago. Destiny. Dude. It, oh God, that got so terrible. I'm a terrible heard that you review. didn't mention really? Call of Duty,
0: man. Advanced uh-huh. Warfare. Yeah, but like, like every I,
2: November. But hold on, like that's the whole problem, right? Like it's the same game with new maps and new guns and a new power up or, or a new ranking up system. Fun as heck, but I mean, it's kind of hard to get like stoked about about something that you've really played for ten years in a row now.
0: I mean, dude, mm-hmm. it's got Kevin Spacey on the trailer, man. How can you go wrong when you got the president right there? Well, that's a good point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just kidding? <laughs> 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 You're I don't my, know what you're talking spoiler about. Spoiler alert! Hey man, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm seriously, seriously aggravated by the lack of games. I have had my PS4 for going on a year now, and there still is not like that one killer gotta have game.
0: That's the one thing where I, I haven't, I haven't decided to break down to buy either. Hold a off, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4, nor the Xbox One, and and it's mostly because like, why
2: bother? Yeah, hold off. I mean, seriously, the. The only game that has just got an outstanding review on the PlayStation 4 that uh, th- there's a couple, but the only one that got like a 10 anywhere was The Last of Us that's on the ps3 oh that was a good game though it is a good game but like seriously all they did was bump up the graphics on it and you know it's just that's what i'm saying it's so frustrating they haven't really brought anything to the table yet which is irritating me
0: yeah i've just been holding i I am more leaning to the xbox one now i don't understand that but whatever it's got less processing power dude if you're already into the xbox community right you know why not
1: well have you guys heard of no man's sky No man's sky. No. Yeah, the description is a science fiction game set in an infinite procedurally generated universe. Oh, screw that! Oh man, that's my that's my heaven right there. That's perfect. So you like?
2: uh, Oh man, what's what's that? The medieval game that where it's like six hours.
1: Uh. Um, I prefer if there's aliens. (laughs) I always prefer aliens over orcs. But
2: you want something that just literally generates itself
1: so there's really you, there can't be a storyline because Oh, just, story. I don't want story, man. You just want
2: to roam around. Yeah. Hold on, like playing Grand Theft Auto though. You don't get tired
0: of like running around and running over people for like 30 minutes. Oh the- no, no, man. Because you know the best thing about Grand Theft Auto is you try to see how high can you get your wanted level up and then bring it back down. Yeah, but you got a hot seat
1: that one, man. Like yeah. you die, you hand it over, man. That's that's the fun. Like I get tired when I'm like, Oh man, I feel obligated <laughs> to go do this stupid quest and I don't want to do it. I have more fun playing Grand Theft Auto, not
0: doing what I'm actually supposed to do in the game. Well,
1: that's what I'm saying. But after you've done that, like after you got that, that
0: for hours level, on end, man. Really? I just drive around like wait, wait, a madman. Hold, hold on. Trying to see if I can evade them. I let, like to race. So you got to keep that in mind, too.
2: Well, no, no. Let, let's clarify something. Are you one of those guys that likes to play Nazi zombies on on Call of Duty? No. Okay. All right. No. Well, that's just mindless repetitiveness. I can't take it. Like, mm. I, I need something new.
0: No, but again, like, I. I in all honesty like racing games racing simulation games are my favorite games on any kind of platform and while in grand theft auto it's not simulation it's just another it's fun how some of the cars handle and so like i'll just have a blast driving around trying to see how high can i get the uh uh the wanted level up and then can i get it back down it becomes a challenge to see if i can bring the level back down I get if it. I can outrun them enough to bring it back down
1: I get it, but I bore after about 30 minutes of that so That's how I kind of want to play games now too It's kind of strange how my um, preferences have changed and Just infinite. mindlessly wander the map In, Yeah, An infinite world just seems overwhelming to me Yeah
0: Alright, so And so with that, let's get into the show Today's show is going to be Q&A Your questions and Joe will answer
1: I'll try <laughs> uh, we have actually got a lot of comments and questions kind of emailed to us And some of them kind of uh, involve more research And so we don't want to just kind of give you something off the cuff But didn't want to kind of mention and respond to a few of them
2: Yeah, so one of them that I, I actually really liked was from Jason Yarber He asked, Pluralsight versus lynda.com So we talk a lot about Pluralsight on the show uh, for good reason I, And I've also had some experience with lynda.com I think you have also outlawed and probably you too, Joe Yep um, so, it, my take on it is this. Lynda.com is an absolutely fantastic resource. And it, it the way that I see it, though, is it's more of a broad spectrum of technology, software, how-tos. It, like, that's usually my go-to source for, hey, how do I do something in Final Cut? Or how do I do something
0: in Photoshop? It's, or and it's funny you mentioned Final Cut, because I was actually thinking of uh, Color. Yeah. Which is no longer around for Final Cut Studio, but...
2: Yeah, so I mean, they have a lot of stuff. Now they also have programming things, but they are not programming centric. So, um, if you go to something like a Plural Site, I mean, just about, and they do have things that are outside the realm of programming, but ninety percent of what they've got on Plural Site is is hardcore programming. Whether you're talking about .NET or you're talking but, about SQL but let's Server, let's just take or, this
0: question a step further, though. Right? So, I mean, specifically, it was site versus Linda yeah but w- what if you were to just say like how, how do you get how do you stay current like what's your training go to you know like ooh, how do you how do you get your learn on
2: codingblocks.net <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no really though I,
0: <laughs> not, not really
1: coding blocks but really podcasts are my preferred way like I can listen in the car and I just seem to really get out of a, like listening but um, I have a hard time sitting and watching a video. Uh, that said, I do subscribe to Pluralsight, and I, I really like it. Because, but the reason is, uh, I'll basically like play a video game on one screen that, um, you know, something like maybe Minecraft or something that doesn't require a whole lot of interaction, and I'll have Pluralsight on the other screen. I'll just kind of be learning about something new and random.
2: Well, in fairness, like See, the way I
1: that I do to Pluralsight to to is, I pay for the the higher cost
2: subscription on there, and then that way you bah can download bah. it to your phone. No, but I mean, that's really there were two reasons I did the. Uh, the $50 a month one was because... You wanted
0: to take the test.
2: No, I don't care about the test, right? Like, I, I Seriously, I don't want to take tests. But you can download the code, which is awesome for being able to follow along with whatever they're talking about. And second, more, more important to me was being able to download it to your phone so that, just like I listen to music or a podcast in the car, I can listen to an entire course while I'm driving. Granted, I'm not looking at the screen, but a lot of times you can pick up what they're talking about you know, as you're going along. So, so that's kind of how I do it. Now with lynda.com, I have found that is very much more, you're sitting down and watching this. And it, it, again, this is usually how you're dealing with software as opposed to how to program. I haven't done many other programming courses, but it, I've used them both separate. Excellent resources, both of them in so, my opinion. So,
0: so I'm going to be the old school one here to say, uh, you know, crack open a book. Yeah. I, you know,
2: it, here's my problem with books is you don't know how good it is till you buy it. Now granted, you can look at reviews, right? And and that's helpful. But dude, I I don't know. I I would rather listen to somebody talk about it or watch something.
1: Yeah, and uh actually just for fun I kind of I googled. <laughs> I searched on lynda.com for BizTalk, which is something I, I recently started watching on on Portal site. And uh Linda, I'm not seeing any search results, but Portal site had like 30 plus hours of Bidstock videos. What about SharePoint? So where but where Oh, they both they both have a lot of SharePoint.
0: The point the point that I was going at though is that so I love like podcasts you mentioned, uh plural site. I I love, I love those type of resources, but um I I think like if, when i want to go like into real depth with a topic then that's where i like to i prefer to read about it. I I would agree. Cuz i feel that. like i feel like if i'm actually if i'm actually stopping to actually read the words on the page and i'm not counting audible or something like that but if i'm actually taking the time to read the words on the page then um i'm more focused in on it. So if i'm trying to get deep on a topic then i i like the book.
1: See, I'm bad when I read about skipping ahead and being like, blah, blah, I got it, and then I miss important details. You, I, you know what? See, I, I'm uh, actually bad the opposite way of that. Because even if this is like, oh, my
0: God, how many times have I got to read this again? I'll keep reading it mm-hmm. just to get through it. Just in case if there's some little gem that I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad I read that.
2: A book has to be really enticing for me to go with it. And I'll give you this one reason. Because my $50 at Pluralsight. I can go pick any course I want and watch it, listen to it as many times as I want. A book, I'm spending fifty dollars on one writer and I'm and I'm hoping that he gives me everything I want, right? So that, that's kinda how I equate it. Like if I was gonna spend fifty dollars a month, let's say, on whether it was going to be a book or one of these course type things, I would go with the course site. It, because cool. your 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 breadth of of topics
0: is just massive. Don't get me wrong. I love plural site. Right. And and I, I have I think the same um, you have the same plan One as you, same plan as you have Bala. yeah sorry <laughs> but uh you know, it, it's awesome and i love it and i and the thing that i like about it is that it's easy to reconsume it yes right like like you can go through it, it it's kind of like like i said it's not you're not trying to go as deep with it so you can you know have it going on in the background like you mentioned while you drive there are times where like i'll have it while, while i'm coding yeah i'm like oh wow i can do that too and then that way i'm like, actually picking up the shortcut as I'm actually working,
2: and you can speed it up, right? Like it's oh, just like a podcast. Times. You can listen
0: it two times. That's craziness. Everybody, but one double point, speed
2: But yeah, you can speed it up and listen to it, and consume it faster than what you could even potentially read, right? So it, it, there's definitely something to be said. Like books are fantastic references, right? And and I do love books, but I find that I would much rather go to one of these other sites initially. And then if I want to dig more into a topic, then I would go get the book. Yeah, yeah
1: okay.
0: I'll, I'll give you that.
1: And best part is uh, both Site and Linda offer like a preview plan so you can watch videos and kind of see which one's right for you. But I have a feeling if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably going to end up going with Site. It just seems to really be targeted towards developers. If
2: it's for programming. If, if you are specifically going for programming, then Pluralsight, if you are hitting on a bunch of things that, you know, might relate to graphical type things or just using other pieces of software. Like, Linda is a great resource for that kind of stuff. So uh, the next one that we got also from Jason Yarber was base types versus .NET types. And Outlaw, you got a little something to say about this.
0: Uh, yeah, so, so um, in the C Sharp language specification specifically, there's a statement in there that each of the predefined types is shorthand for a system-provided type. So, for example, the keyword int refers to the struct uh, system.int32. But as a matter of style, use of the keyword is favored over use of the complete system type name.
2: So what that's basically saying is when it gets uh, all chunked down to IL code, it's the same stuff.
0: Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, though, when so this question came up and I could have sworn that I remembered reading like the preferred way was that you should use the uh, you the know, system struct the, the type name for it rather than the keyword. So I got into the habit of using of always using the the name and now so like, like capital. Now billion. after reading this, I'm like, oh crap, I'm doing it wrong. So in other words. Like, I would specify int32 if I was, God forbid, not going to use var. Then (laughs) maybe it was in a method signature. You never know.
1: Well, string is the one you usually see people do the capital.
0: Yeah, string all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And it still seems kind of gross to me to to do the lowercase and then, like, dot format.
2: yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean, again, there's no wrong
0: way of doing this. They all compile down to the same. It's not wrong, but what I'm saying is that in the specification say, it states, as a matter of style, use the keyword. Yeah, so, so this, you know, thank you, Jason, because now I realize, oh, crap, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, so. Like all these years.
1: Again, uh, they, they equate to the same thing. Yeah, but the best reason, I think, for using the actual, like, the aliases is that you don't have the res- reference system. So, if for some reason you've got a class that doesn't need it, maybe it's nice and solid, then uh, you don't actually have to Im- use the the system namespace. So, if you all the others like N30, integer 32 string, all those actual like the classes, the the non-aliased all are live in that system namespace. So you have to using it. Okay. So hopefully that answered that question.
2: And then uh, another oh, one. Yeah.
1: Sorry, one other thing I did want to mention too, there's actually a whole lot of stuff out, out there about .NET types and the unified type system. And you know, we talked a little bit about like value times reference types, but um, there's also this notion of things that are CLS compliant, which is a common language system. Which means things that are in C uh, that Common work in specific, specification, specification that work in all those languages. So, there's actually a lot of really cool stuff there. So, I'd like to really expand on this in a future episode. And wanted to thank Jason for kind of bringing this to our attention. It's something that's really interesting and actually a really big, deep topic. Yeah, yeah
0: thanks, Jason. I gotta go change all my types. <laughs> now, that's gonna be a fun regex. Yeah. Uh,
2: and then we also have one more question from John Panning. And he was
1: asking about one of Joe's very favorite topics, which is? Oh, yeah. So he was asking about basically um, best practices for unit testing and integration testing. Stop. I totally want to do this one in a separate (laughs) dedicated episode. Yeah, me too. Actually, I wrote notes for it when we first started talking about doing the show because I'm kind of a nut about talking about testing, even if I don't always do it. So uh, definitely want to talk about this in depth and we want to acknowledge the uh, email, John. So thank you very much. We are definitely going to do it. And uh, I think he brought up some other really interesting things, too, with, like, solid and kind of how these things kind of tie in together. And so I thought that was really cool, and we're definitely going to talk about it. So thank you, John. Yep. And so now getting
2: into the show for the week, if I can find my notes here. Uh, So this is going to be a bit of a water cooler topic type thing because there are things that come up all the time in our programming daily lives. And so... Here's a couple things that that we've actually had extended conversations over lunch or whatever. One, business logic. Where do you put it? Do you put it in the database where basically everybody can benefit from it? Or do you put it in your application? Oh,
1: and you say it like that. I know. It's I, know I might.
2: On. I might have leaned towards something, but, but well, I actually have arguments against against what
0: I seem like I was I was leaning towards there here in a second. So
1: okay. Well, but,
0: wait a minute, because like, are you referring when you say business logic in the database? I initially took that to mean like, let me rephrase. Let me rename that to be the data logic.
2: Uh, yes, the data logic, absolutely, right? because because yeah, yeah. not necessarily not the like business email sent, logic that as that how
0: something should be should be done, but. It's just that if you want this data, then this is the data, how it's represented. Yeah, how
2: it affects these 10 other tables. Yes, right. and that's what I'm talking about. So so the, the data, the business layer revolving around just how the data interactions occur, right? Yeah, so let's just call it data logic. Okay, fair enough. So where would you do it, and why? I know
1: where I do do it, and it's in the code. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Uh, I, I have a hard time thinking of reasons or things that I would put into a SQL procedure or a store procedure just because I don't really do it that often. You know, there's definitely times, but usually that's uh, some sort of weird case where I need to do something with a store procedure. So It's almost like a requirement of what I'm doing. But just by default, it, I end up doing things in code. And I'm actually having a hard time thinking of an example when I wouldn't do it in code. Like, are we talking about like I delete from table A and it's got to delete from its children?
2: Yeah, or or let's say uh, in, in kind of order systems, right? Like if you place an order on something, then uh, you're going to decrement some available quantity of something somewhere. You're going to stage things to be shipped out. You're going to. Th- there's a lot of table interaction that happens, right? So uh, I
0: think it, some of that depends though on on the type of information and the sensitivity of the information because you might have that abstracted away through um, may, maybe maybe your more sensitive data like an application it sit layer in the in the Um, database because at rest you don't want it to be available so you want to have some other control mechanisms around it um so maybe that you know has to go through some kind of a service to even get to it but you know because of the where the example that i was thinking where you know where you might do this is that um well i didn't have a specific example Well, well i was going i was thinking around customer information that you might end up pulling that from multiple places but as far as your code is concerned you don't want your code to have to care about that. That might have been that might have come from multiple sources, um, but as far as you how you want might want your data structured, maybe you want that some stuff separated out. But uh, but it's one of those things. So
2: for instance, one of the, one of the arguments that always comes up, and this is what's always kind of crazy to me is, is people that advocate that it's done at the um, at the application. They're like, well, it should live in the application. That's that's what's touching it, right? Well, my thing is, okay, so, yeah, you got this application today, but now you want a
1: mobile version of that. What are you going to do? Yeah, how many applications are touching a database? Right. Uh, you know, a certain table. It's going to be, like, every application.
0: Right. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before, but, um, you know, there were some years ago where I was on a project that everything, you did everything, whether it was read or write, all your CRUD operations were done through stored procedures. And the part that I really liked about that you know, architecture decision was that, um, you know, we could make changes to the underlying schema, and it affected zero code. Right. Ever. Mm-hmm. Because as long as we took the same parameters in and the same parameters out, everything continued to work. And, and I loved that about it. And if we needed to have any of these rules around, <clears throat> so you mentioned, uh, you know, if you delete from here, do I need to delete from over there as well? You know anything like that uh, could automatically be handled through the SOAR procedure. So for that, I loved it. But in you know, n- nowadays with frameworks like Entity Framework, as an example, um, you know it wouldn't be as friendly to use a SOR procedure only uh, mechanism.
2: So I, I'll take this one step further, and I don't know which one of you just mentioned it, but services. The way I see this is if you have one database, right? Uh, I personally, I think that a lot of that logic should exist in the database, in a stored proc, simply because it keeps it closest to where the data is stored, right? Yeah, there's value
1: in that. It's definitely the closest to the, the actual issue, the, the subject.
2: Now, what I will say, though, is, in and I'm not against the application thing, but I think it's the least flexible. But I think if that's what your goal is, then in today's world of service-oriented architectures, I think you create a service. You stand up a service that is now a layer between you and the database. And then that way, if you do happen to have that, and you don't want to keep it directly in the database, because then you'll have other people, well, what if you need to move from SQL Server to Oracle? Or what if it... I would venture to say that happens less frequently than changing programming languages, right? Like, RDBMSs tend to hang around for a long time.
1: Yeah, you better have a really good reason for switching.
2: Yeah, so... In that regard, though, if you stand up a service that any application can then call, then you get the best of both worlds. Like what Michael was talking about, where now you have a separation of of like maybe sensitive information like like keys for passwords are stored in one system and then your actual passwords and your your hashes are in another then a service can talk to the two of them more transparently and now you have your logic in one place that that a mobile app can use that your desktop app can use whatever so like this whole argument becomes like where do you draw the line for the for those services though and that's a tough thing, because there's a lot of overhead in building a service. like the, there's a lot of work that has to be done. there's there's a lot of things that have to happen when you build these services. But I think and there is a line, but I think that the application is almost always the wrong choice, in my opinion, on on where you store that kind of logic because because then it's all buried in your app. And as soon as you ever decide to move to another platform or you decide to add another, another supported platform to your current existing tools, now you've got to replicate that somewhere. And it's all baked into your application and it's not reusable.
0: Right. And and that's where the advantage of you know, where we had it all in store procedures, it didn't matter what language yep. we used. As long as everyone understood the rule of you always call the store procedures and the store procedures were very clearly named as for like what kind of actions they did. So, there took some diligence there, but uh, then it didn't matter what language we used. Yeah. Everyone could use any language they needed for whatever kind of report they wanted to do, or whatever you know app that they were spinning up. But everything worked the same. Consistent. Everything had the same data to work with consistently.
2: I, I'm actually a fan of that approach. Assuming that you are on one database server, as but soon as you start spanning across multiple systems and you have to pull data in from various different places, well, that breaks down a little.
0: Well, I will say though, in in that particular case though we didn't have sensitive data to worry about at all so right. you mentioned passwords uh I, I mentioned customer information like we we didn't have any of that to deal with at the time which greatly simplified the discussion
1: yep yeah and uh, actually what what um you just touched on there is i thought it was really interesting i i think a lot of times consistency is really powerful so i've seen some like not so great code that was consistent and so at least I was able to kind of dive in there and see what was going on, and it was in a you know a a, a good pattern, and having that pattern to follow and uh, I'll follow when you're doing something new is really good. And so I just wanted to be the first to actually coin the term consistency driven development. <laughs> so you guys heard it here first. CDD, huh? Yeah, because like you ever go into like a code base and it's really nasty and messy, but it's you're not about to start changing like the naming conventions for variables or anything like that, right? You want it to kind of blend in, right? Yeah, there, there's a lot to be said for that. And at
2: least then, if you do pick one, whether it be the database or, it, as again, I, I advocate that you never do it at the application level simply because that is almost, you can almost consider that lost code at that point because you can't reuse it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, I've had, I've definitely had heated arguments with other people about that, but
1: it feels to me like that's the most disconnected place to put it you know i used to think the whole the whole source code thing is kind of a big deal being able to kind of see those changes with the database projects and stuff in in visual studio and there's there's tools around that sort of thing that make it bearable but i i don't know if anyone actually really likes using the database projects in visual studio so it's kind of nice for tracking changes on stuff like that but i don't want to have to search two code bases and i definitely don't want my database in my normal solution yeah uh what's our next one that we had Oh, um, I just had a kind of general sequel question um, that I, I put here. Um, and this is actually a question for me. I didn't write it in. Sorry, maybe I'll send an email. But I was just wondering. No, uh, you
0: guys send it to comments at coding. <laughs> that's right.
1: I'll, I'll email right on. after the show. Pause. <laughs> yeah. Okay, All right, we're uh, back. We just got this email from Joe. <laughs> and Joe writes in. And yeah, I wanted to uh, to know if there was a good, useful tool for auto-linking foreign keys. If you've ever like done a new database, right, and you're kind of green, filling, you do all this stuff, and you have things like on the tables, like say modified by or create by, and date times, and you know all this stuff is default values, and we want all your integers to be. Uh, you know, auto incrementing, and you know, that's a lot of stuff to to type. Especially like if you have you know create and modified da- uh, users in every table, and you want those to all link to the user table. Like, oh my gosh, they have the same name, or you know, there's a there's a pattern. They're actually able to kind of like right click and just hook up all those forward keys for me. You know, especially if the the names are exact. Like, there's a product ID here, and there's a product ID over there. Like, oh my yeah, gosh, please ID, let me click a button. A yeah, I, because I, I have not found a good way of assigning keys. You know, The easiest way, I think, is to use the, the diagram actually and drag things, and so you can kind of drag the lines and then save it all at once. But well, that's still a lot of clicks, right? It's a lot of clicks, and it's easy to kind of drag something to the wrong column and not realize it. That's actually a really neat idea, though, yeah, what, what you're asking you for. That's, I've never seen one. That
2: would be a fairly easy utility to write, also, with schema querying and all that. Yep. Hmm.
0: Everything that ends in ID should be cross-linked.
1: There you go. And you just name it consistently. That, I was joking, man. Don't. No, man. <laughs> Alan's
0: over there thinking like hey. one ID <laughs> to rule them all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's actually a pretty cool thing. I never really thought about it like that because I mean, yeah, when you create a table, it's a it's a lot of extra overhead writing the your your foreign key constraints and all
0: that. All of a sudden, all your patient IDs match up to the health code ID
2: and. Yeah. Dude, you know what's funny is I actually ran into this very problem recently because I'm I'm playing with Postgres right now, and because you hate yourself. No, by the way, oh. <laughs> by the way, look, look. If it's good enough for Instagram, it's good enough for a little. Old me. Hey, I was just joking. But I will say, like their tools suck. Like they are terrible. I've been using PGAdmin three. I think I don't even know they put a three on there. Like it was something important. I don't like it. Like, like <laughs> setting up even just seen two. Dude, adding a column, you know how, like, in Management Studio and SQL Server, you just go down to the next
0: row well, and you start typing? This is the problem with, like, this is the same thing with Visual Studio there. Like, all of the Microsoft products, they're nice. They're good, dude. They're, they're good at what they do, and, and they get it done. Like, now you want to start using other tools. Now, now you're like, hey, man, do you know, like, if you wanted to do this in Linux, how much more difficult it is to install a, a new Nick. Yep. But dude, no seriously, uh, like- come on.
2: <laughs> like, but hold on. Let me let me talk about this one UI problem. That I, and being a UI guy, like I, I UIs that don't no, work. No,
0: I don't call you a UI guy. No way, dude, Mister
2: Keyboard. What do you mean? No, go on. Okay, well, okay. So I like using shortcuts, but but no, I I'm. I'm very
0: much passionate about... You bastardize everyone else's UIs that they create because you refuse to use your mouse. <laughs> yeah, whatever.
2: So, <laughs> but no, like, this this thing. Okay, what what do you have a lot of in a table? In a table schema? I'm not talking about data. What do you have a lot of, typically? Columns. Columns. To add columns... In PG Admin 3, you have to click this button to pop up a window. Oh, so no. So you can then type in the column name and then choose the type. And then oh, s- no. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, like
1: a lot of times, like, I create the columns first and I go back and then it, string, 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 or, you know, That's car. what
2: I'm saying, man. No, I like, no. Okay, so. <laughs> so check it out like this actually drove me to where I was creating my tables using SQL like I was like create table like I started typing it out because I was like I can't use this UI so I don't even know what tangent threw me off. Oh, so so yeah, this auto linking thing. So after adding like five columns to a table and that taking me 10 minutes, I was like I can't take this anymore. And then I saw the foreign key tab and I was like, "Oh no." Oh, you all this <laughs> I think you said it wrong. I am oh no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> yeah, I recently did something. That I created like, I don't know, it was like 50 tables or something. And, man, oh, that means there were 100 create and modify by users.
0: But it kind of really begs the question, though. <sighs> if you did do all your creates by, uh, uh, in a textual format to begin with, though, then you'd have the ability to easily copy that and repaste, you know, uh, reproduce it somewhere else, mm-hmm. version it if you wanted to.
1: But even the pasting with the
2: foreign keys, they each have their own name. You have to rename them and all that. Dude, I could totally see writing a tool that, and this probably wouldn't even take that long. I I, I think I'm actually going to dream about this tonight.
1: Yeah. Well, we can make those scripts and then. Step three, I don't yeah. know. I for mean, it's profit. beautiful.
2: Think about it, though. Like, seriously, what he's talking about. You have you have ID <laughs> columns on these things. And you say, hey, hook these up, right? I just mm. got that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what did you say? I totally missed it. <laughs> it
1: was like, we had that tweet uh, the other day. It was like it was starting a project. It's like step oh. one, procrastinate. <laughs> step two, go step one. But uh, I was just joking that, like, we, you know, step two is, like, create this tool. Step three, I don't know. Step yeah. four, profit. And we all retire. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> yep.
0: You get a database. You get a database.
1: See, that's
2: the problem, though, like, right? We we all start these. And Joe and I were talking about this before the show. Like, he said that he was sitting there and, <laughs> and started messing with something, and all of a sudden, he's dragging some buttons around. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and I did the same thing, but I was sitting there, I don't know how many database tables I've made in my lifetime. But the other night I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I'm creating a schema. And like two tables later, I'm still staring at it like an hour and a half later. I'm like, mm-hmm. why why am I doing this? So anyways, uh yeah, so that's a really cool idea. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, what do you do with unexpected project handoff?
1: Yeah, so uh, I recently had an issue where I kind of like in the middle of something, it was, was kind of like, hey, uh, we need to kind of drop this, hand it off to someone else. So this has happened lots of times. But, um, you know, I kind of, it got me thinking, like, you know, what's nice to have? And so I kind of wrapped up the database and the project and kind of wrote up just a few minutes. So, like, here's how you kind of start it and install it and put it on a thumb drive. And um, But then I started thinking, I'm like, oh, I should mention that class that I really don't like. It's got a bad name. I've been dealing with it, but I don't want them to think that I think that's okay. And so I start writing all the stuff I don't like about the project, which just kind of seems silly, you know. Uh, and I know there's always dirty things in every project, but then then I started getting complex. It's like, okay, I've listed like five things I wanted to mention about names I didn't like or things I wanted to change that I hadn't got around to changing. And then I'm like, wait a second, what about all the things I didn't mention now that I just forgot right now? Does that mean if he sees something stupid and it's not on my list that it meant that I meant to do it? Or am I just uh, living in my head too much?
0: I think it might be part of that. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, you know, because as far as the unexpected project handoff, as the receiver, you just hand it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Got That's, my own.
2: That, friends, is solid advice. Yep. uh But you know what? Actually, I've been handed off projects from Joe, and he actually goes over the top with it, which is is pretty good because it makes it easy for a developer to pick up. However, we all know this. Like, You can be told a thousand times how something works. And until you actually get your head in there, right. it's it's impossible. Now, it is nice to point out, like, the gotchas, right? Like, I would completely agree with that. And even having, like, maybe a wiki article or something together that's like, hey, to even get upset, to get set up and run this thing, these are the kind of steps you need to go through. And then I definitely think probably in times you're overthinking because, yeah, you're like, oh, you need to watch for this, you need to watch for this. And, again, there's there's only so much detail you can put into that before people actually start looking at the code
1: yeah i just fell back because there's one thing i was like i was kind of deprecating a project but i just hadn't done it yet i just kind of decided i wanted to do things a little differently so you know i kind of moved a few things over but i just hated like when i handed off like oh and there's this weird project that i'm kind of getting rid of but i haven't gotten rid of yet but you should totally get rid of it (laughs) and oh and over here is the forest of interfaces so don't go in there
2: Hmm, that, that's interesting. I mean, nobody likes getting handoff-type stuff anyways because that usually means that, you know, you're getting it for some reason. Right? It's like,
1: I got to do all the fun stuff, now here you go. Right. It's on you now, sucker. Right. There's
0: actually, a, this question has actually come kind of up on uh, Stack Overflow, too. There's a, uh, you know, a checklist that, that they provided, and obviously the community has uh, has agreed on, on the appropriate answer for that. And, uh, you know, they state that the imp- important points to document are the interfaces, the build process, other tooling, what's not done, and other resources that are involved.
1: Yeah, I think mean, that makes a lot of sense. There's also some kind of weird emotions that come into play there because, uh, like, on one hand, you're like, kind of handing something off. Like, you're, there's always a fear like they're going to get in there and be like, uh, you're an idiot. I just kind of erased all this stuff and uh, got it done in a day. So, oh, there's <laughs> definitely there's definitely
0: that feeling of, like that's my baby. Yeah. You can't. I'm not done with my baby and now you're going to get in and mess with my baby. You can't touch my baby. No, All but right. th-
2: but there's two ways, right? Like yep. what you're just talking about, that happens when you actually had time to put into it. Right. But I've definitely had those situations where they're like, yo, we need this done yesterday.
0: Well, no, but right? this is, I'm talking about like as the person doing the project handoff, right? Like right. I'm, I wasn't done with it, which is why I'm handing it off. And now I'm like, Oh no, but that's I what I'm saying. There's two
2: approaches. That's one because you actually had the time and the love and, and care to put into it. I've definitely had ones where like, seriously, you know, I they're like, hey, we need this now. And so you end up hacking together a solution to make it work. And then so you they hand it, hand it off, off like you hand it don't don't off, judge me, like, bro. Yeah, no, seriously, like those, those <laughs> are what you Every <laughs> I know you've done things. Yeah. <laughs> every <laughs> every sentence you start with is like, Look, dude, I, I understand <laughs> this yep, is not look, right. Listen.
0: Yeah. I've seen things.
2: Yeah. But I mean that's frustrating. So there's both sides of the equation. And I think both actually what you just those those guidelines kind of that you had up there. Mm-hmm. Those well, are we'll have actually, a link
0: to that in the show notes too, uh, from Stack Exchange. Those
2: are really
1: good things. So yeah, that that's a really good question. And Oh, I did want to mention one other thing too. There's also the sense of validation too. If you're like having a tough time with something and someone's fine, like just hand it off when you need to work on something, and the second person has problems with it too, and it takes them a long time, then you're like yes it wasn't me (laughs) it's actually hard i told you
2: guys you didn't believe me. i told you but dude that's not fair when you gave it to an intern come on
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but i will I, i do understand what he means though like like it's almost like you drove an 800 mile trip and someone else has to park it
1: into the driveway and you're like Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyone could have done that part. I was so close. Why didn't you let me finish?
1: Yeah. Well, any problems they have, they get to say like, well, when you gave it to me, it was all messed up. And on the other hand, you hand it off. You get to say like, it was 99% done when I gave it to him. I don't know what happened.
2: (laughs) He jacked it all up. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, try not to be that guy. <laughs> Make yeah, sure your and stuff works. it seems works. like
0: it's, it's it's so easy to for the for kind of like what you were alluding to there, the blame game. So I try to catch myself to like not
1: want to be like that, right? Yeah. yeah it, hmm. What if the other person's like that and you're still trying not to do it? So you're like, oh, what a mess they just gave me. And you're like, oh, you screwed it up, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess because more often than
0: not, though, a lot of situations where I've seen has been like, um, you know, someone, someone. You know, goes, leaves the company and goes somewhere else. So then,
1: uh, you know,
0: like whatever that is, people are like, oh, well, so and so did that. And you're like, well, I don't know that that's necessarily the reason.
1: So here's my advice go to lunch with the person, don't talk about the project. Uh, That's my advice. <laughs> you know, they'll have this kind of like this weird so trusting so going on. Just, don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's never never talk about the project That's how we do it in my family. <laughs> never talk about the code. Right under the rug. The project. <laughs> we talk around it. There's a lot
0: of hidden emotion deep inside you. Oh, that's <laughs> excellent. All right, so Good. what's up
2: with the witch host
0: thing? Who put that there?
2: Witch host? Who did that? Did I put that? I'm going to say Alan did it. I don't remember typing my that. My go-to is Blame Allen. Did I really type that? Which host? I didn't type that. One of you guys
1: did. All right, so let's talk about it anyways. Yeah, which host Operating is system. the best looking? Oh, yes. Oh, di- oh different hosts. We're talking about different hosts. Sorry. No, well, see, well, I don't the even, even know what we're talking simple. about. <laughs> uh, I thought we were talking about us. <laughs> 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 what are you guys talking are we, about? Are
0: we putting up a poll? like? <laughs> What hey, else could this wh- possibly
2: which mean? Which one of these sweet, clearly sexy voices do uh, you like the most? I've got a buttery smooth southern accent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> a rasping accent. That's right. So I assumed so one of us So there's certain
0: jobs that you don't want to have hear a southern accent on, right? So there there's the joke about you don't want you, you don't want to hear your surgeon talk with a southern accent. Mhm. <laughs> All right, what we're going to do?
1: Yeah. We're going around right in here. there with a stick.
2: What had happened was,
1: <laughs> so, so I saw the word "host" and I immediately thought of myself because I'm self-centered. Michael thought about operating systems. I had a feeling that Alan might have been thinking web about hosts, web hosts, hosting <laughs> companies.
0: Right, which is why I knew this one was Alan's. And it was, dude, I absolutely did not didn't type recognize this. It. I, that That's is totally your
1: handwriting.
2: <laughs> in the google doc by the way
0: uh so um, i should have said hand typing it would have been even better well
2: this completely came off the tracks uh i have no idea what this is if we're talking about web hosting maybe i did put the i, I don't remember
1: well we do have an advertisement on our website for web hosting so that's the one i'm gonna pick but yeah, sure uh, actually that? smarter asp has really good uh, NET hosting for like three dollars a month to host a site on which is really nice aws and azure uh, both have free tiers for micro boxes but uh, if you're running just a small website, then you're going to be well, paying. You're leaving out Google Compute. Um, no, no one uses that. Not not in our listeners. Not not the the .dot uh, NET heavy <laughs> static programming language users. Well, what
2: about our Java listeners? <laughs> what are they using? Uh, AWS. So it, here's the thing, right? Like, uh, um, yeah, I, we, I'm a fan of DigitalOcean. Mm -hmm. Right for the for the price, it's hard to beat for the computing power you get. Now you do have to understand a little bit about Linux to get things up and running smoothly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's shared host if you're going cheap or whatever. Those, I mean, there's so many of them. We've used Bluehost. I've used um, iPage. I've used a bunch of them. Uh, HostGator. HostGator's one. Uh, I've used Fat Cow. I've used. I can't even remember what other ones.
1: Well, I think the right answer to this question is just not GoDaddy. They've had a lot of security breaches over time. I just I don't even know why I say that anymore. I just I remember people telling me like never go with the GoDaddy hosting.
2: And I don't I don't know why that would have been, but they definitely had some security problems in the past.
1: It's probably cuz they upsold you on it and you accidentally ended up signing up for something that was way more expensive than you would have and it doesn't no, quite no, do what no, you no. want. The
0: the GoDaddy scandal or not scandal, but um <sighs> shoot, what was it? it? It was something that came out. Oh, God, we were just talking about this. Where they, they took a stance that was against what the rest of the internet Oh Ah oh, what was it?
1: Oh uh, net, yes. net neutrality. Yes net neutrality I thought it was. Something it was. Else. No, it was. I don't remember. It's also line up So yeah, we just kind of answered a question that uh, we didn't actually ask. So sorry about that, listeners. Yeah, no
2: idea what we were going for there. But if it's the handsomest host, that's obviously me. If it's hosting, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know.
0: And uh,
1: send us your best-looking host (laughs) to comments at... Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, dear God, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wow, suddenly that confidence just uh, got shot down.
2: No, you guys saw the... uh, You've heard about the OnePlus or the... Yeah, the OnePlus phone. The, they just recently did some sort oh, of...
0: Oh, th- where they... The stupid marketing campaign where they said, hey, ladies, this one's for you. Send us a photo where you've written one plus somewhere on a part of your body and we'll vote the picture up and whichever picture gets the most, then we'll send you an invite to buy the phone.
2: We're not trying to be those guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. I, apparently, like, they went down in flames on oh, that one. That yeah, wasn't
0: even their first stupid marketing uh, uh scandal, but yeah, they... they um, they got some thinking to do before they open their mouth. Yes. Well, I would
1: have won anyway, and we all know it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just call that one a win for me.
0: All right. Well, so with that, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the tips of the week and resources we'd like. Yep. All right. So I'll start off with my uh, tip of the week, and, and here's one. I found this. I absolutely love it. Uh, this one is a Visual Studio tip, but if you use uh, multiple monitors, right – We've talked in the past about how I like to use all of my monitors for a single instance of Visual Studio by just tearing off the tabs and throwing them onto other uh, screens. So, like, for example, uh, my current setup, I have three monitors. So I'll have one main screen that I'm coding in. I'll have another screen off to the right that I might have code that I'm referencing. And then uh, I'll have half of that screen taken up with, like, output or... Uh, if I'm in a debug session, it'll have locals and things like that, any watch variables, things like that. And then on the third sc- screen, well, I guess it technically be the first screen because it's over on my left, I'll have um, things that, like the To-Do Explorers uh, from ReSharper, or so any notes that are in the code. Um, and I'll have uh, any uh, test case coverage, you know, um, test coverage uh, from .cover, And resharper open over there. And then I'll have a small little itty bitty window that'll be used for like showing interfaces that, you know, maybe I'm for whatever uh, code I'm working on. Sometimes I just like to have a copy of that interface definition handy so I can see it uh, just as a reference point. So that's a lot of windows I have spread out across these three monitors, right? And it's so frustrating when I'm on a laptop. And I want to take that laptop to maybe go do a presentation or whatever. And now I'm down to the single laptop display. I feel like I just stepped back in time because I only have the one display and it's little. And I'm like, ah! So there's this great add-in for Visual Studio that I found called layouts Orama, And what it allows you to do is you can create layouts for your different window positions for whatever your choice may be. For me, I have a layout for single monitor, and I have a layout for triple monitors. And wow. I can just instantly switch between – I can I can open up the little layouts, uh, layouts-o-rama w- windows, select which layout I want to switch to, and boop, it just automatically changes Visual Studio. And it is so fantastic. Now, I know what you're saying, but, Michael, you could already do that. There was already an import-export settings option that you could do within Visual Studio. What a hassle that is. Because, yes, while you can do it, that's also doing a lot more than just moving around your window. So, you know, you might have changed some stuff that, you know, since the last time you saved those settings, that maybe you don't want to be reverting all your settings for Visual Studio around like that. Oh, you changed settings? No, but what I'm saying is like, if you use the import-export settings, you... It does the entire list of settings. You could potentially be doing more than just moving the windowing around, right? Not to mention, it's a hassle to do that because then you have to go through this wizard-driven in order to, to switch layouts, whereas hmm. layout orama is just simply a, a, an any little window with whatever layouts you have listed, and you highlight the layout that you want to switch to, and then click on a little action button, to switch it and done right. Yep, so simple. That sounds so, perfect
1: for your back cave setup. Oh, it is so fantastic. I will have a link to that in the show notes, but I love it. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Very nice. Um, so my tip of the week this is an oldie but a goodie, and, and I'm always surprised when I um see someone who who's not using it because it's been around for a long time, but I think it's just kind of been forgotten. But uh, <laughs> remote desktop connection manager. This is like a window that keeps track of all your remote desktop settings. So, if you're running or running into different boxes all the time, you can actually keep them there. You can organize them into folders. You can save the passwords. Best part is you could right click and say connect to all or disconnect all. Just make sure you don't click log off. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm sure you guys have found, I don't know where this bug came from, but. At some point, there was a bug in it. I don't know if they fixed it because I won't try it again. No, they have the not fixed it. Th-
0: this this uh, program, it hasn't been actively developed in a while. Yeah, yeah. it they works so fantastic
1: except for if you click log off the box instead of disconnect, it logs off your computer.
2: Yeah, right. things start closing
1: and you're like, what? Just, well, no,
0: yeah. that's not what I meant. <laughs> Who would do that? Hey, yeah. Do
1: you guys have a good way of stopping that when it happens? No. Sometimes I've noticed that if, I, if I'm if i quick enough, I can open up Notepad and type some stuff, and it'll do the whole, like, do you want to save this file? I'm like, cancel.
2: I just panic. That's basically what happens. You hear me over there no, like no. screaming at I, my I computer. I just throw <laughs>
0: stuff. I just throw stuff. It's done.
2: Yeah. But just, to, I don't know that Joe did it justice, so you can organize everything, but the beauty of what, what he's talking about with that program is, you can open up, like, you can say, hey, connect to these 10... Computers right now, and it'll give you like little thumbnails of each computer, and you can just click into that screen and go into each one as quick as you want. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's when you save the file too. Yeah, you can
0: export that the the connection file and and share it with other people who get to those same servers. I mean, there there's other uh, tools like this. Um, Like you know, Apple has its own version of a tool like this available for managing OS X boxes. But you know, the I, I do really like this. One thing that you didn't mention though is that. In your, so basically on the left hand side of the screen, you have this like explorer tree view of uh, any of the folders that you've grouped these servers into, and then you'll see the individual folders, I'm sorry, servers listed. And, you know, in each server, you might have um, information about like the host and things like that, but you could also have credentials and whatnot but you can also let those credentials roll up to the parent level so so if you're um in an active directory environment for example and you know all of these pass, all of these systems are going to use your ad credentials you can just let it roll up to the parent and that way you're not having to go into 30 uh configurations and uh, you know set them uh you know, manually each time, or you know, any time you want to use it, have to go back and save it. You could just do it at the one place, and then that way, in the selecting the ten servers, like Joe mentioned, uh, and connecting, it already has the credentials that it needs.
2: You don't even have to put them in there. You can actually right-click that top folder and say Connect as, and you just type it in
1: at that. You time, could, you could, which is nice.
2: Yeah, that that's uh, Joe's the one who showed me that thing,
1: and I, I can't live without it now. It's a shame it's not being developed anymore. It seemed to work really well, except for the terrible, terrible log off button. God, that that log off has hit me a few times,
2: and man, it is so painful. Like I, I, I actually think I remember hearing Outlaw and Joe
1: both laugh at me as I was over there, like, why? Yeah. So. It's a, it's a, one of those rare examples of when, like, when you say "don't touch that button" and you really mean "don't touch that button." <laughs> yeah. So
0: if you get your coworkers using this right, and all of a sudden you hear like random cries, you'll know what happened.
2: Yeah, it's bad. All right. So my tip of the week. This one's actually, um. I don't know, fairly exciting. One of the reasons why I went away from Windows Phone in the first place was because I couldn't listen to podcasts at sped-up rates. Like, literally, that was the deal-breaker for me. The other things on it annoyed me, but that was the deal-breaker. Like listening,
0: So you're new to
2: 8.1. Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm here to tell you right now, Like like, even listening to our podcast at normal speed, I'm like, God, that's so slow. I can't do this. Like I have to listen I to mean, it. Man, double speed for life, yo. Double speed. Like oh. we've talked about this is insane. But but on Windows 8.1, the the phone OS that just updated in the past updated. No no 8.1 on the phone. It just uh, came uh, out. Yeah yeah. Okay. On the phone just came out. Um, it, this the speed play option has been in Windows 8 for a while, but on the phone OS, it wasn't okay, there until fair enough, just fair recently. Up. It, and it's not everywhere. If you go into the podcast player over on the right side of the screen, there's actually like a one X button. You can click that and you can choose different speeds. So, but soon
0: it'll be a windows phone 10.1, right?
2: If they do that, right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need nine. So that, that's my tip of the week. If you've got windows phone and, and you're tired of listening to us at regular speed, uh, speed it up.
0: <laughs> so with that, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And uh, as we've said before, please give us a review. We really appreciate that; it goes a long way to help us out. And
2: contact how about that? Contact us with a question or a topic. Leave your name and preferred method of shout out, which almost nobody does. So, if you'd like us to mention you for that, you know, let us know how you want us to throw your info out there. And uh, visit us at www.codingblocks.net, where you can find show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And this particular episode
1: will be slash episode eighteen. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. Oh, I got a joke. I got a. I, oh, I got a good one. All right, all right. Are hey, you guys ready for it? Let's, Let's get it. this in there. They're skipping Windows nine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going straight to ten. There you go. That's we just, just how awesome it, on PHP it is. For the same thing. I know. Yeah, yeah.
2: We did just end up on PHP for yeah. that same thing.